Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Sports with the Dorks. I am Moolah Mir, coming back at you with another episode. How you guys doing today? Fine? Good? Dandy? That's good. Well, there's a couple of things I want to get off my chest today. Mainly the Sixers. I want to talk about the Sixers. And I also want to talk about Nick Sirianni and his introductory press conference. And also what I think about the hire. So without further ado, let's get started. Those Sixers are fun, man. Fun. They are 14-6, leading the Eastern Conference. JoJo has been playing out of his mind. This man is the MVP currently. He's averaging a career-high shooting splits. I think it's 55, 37, and 83. He's been downright dominant. Can't nobody stop him on the block, No, whether it's, you know, Anthony Davis or Giannis or KD or whoever else that they're going to have to see in the playoffs. Can't nobody stop him. And I think this is what we've been waiting for as Sixers fans, for him to realize how dominant he can be, for him to take everything seriously. Thank goodness for Arthur Embiid and his girlfriend and them having a baby because I don't think he would have got it if it wasn't for, you know, them two. You see it time and time again when, remember, Fred Van Fleet, what was it, the final series? He, he starts snapping after his wife had a baby. Yeah, Embiid did the same thing. It's ridiculous. It's so much fun to just watch and be go to work because you don't see that nowadays. He's his comparison coming out of college was Hakeem Olajuwon, well at least his footwork at least. But now he's actually starting to like. I'm not gonna go that far to say he's Hakeem Olajuwon because I don't think anyone's the dream, but he's damn sure close to it, man. You can tell he's just different. Like he's a lot more conditioned. He looks smarter when it comes to passing out of double teams. I did see a stat that he is averaging more turnovers out of double teams but in my eyes that's just him passing the ball more the more you pass the ball the more turnovers you're going to have especially if you're not this you know elite passer like Jokic is or like Chris Paul or LeBron is however he has struggled in a few games but majority of the time the Sixers find a way to win that game or he makes a big enough impact to win the game whether that's with free throws down the stretch or a pass out of a double team to a wide open player wide open like Seth Curry or Danny Green for three. And also, you can feel his impact when he's off the court. Like, when the Sixers, when he doesn't play, the Sixers lose. And they lose bad. They're averaging double-digit losses every time Embiid doesn't play. And I think a big reason for that is, is it's Ben Simmons. Yep, Ben Simmons. Before I go into critique him, I want to say that I love Ben Simmons. I am not a Ben Simmons hater. I think Ben Simmons is one of the most underappreciated athletes in the city of Philadelphia, if not in all four major sports or at least basketball, the way he plays defense, how tenacious he is on that side of the ball is ridiculous. I haven't seen anything like that since, you know, Tony Allen pretty much. But if the Sixers are going to win games when Embiid isn't playing, Ben has, he can't disappear. He has to be more aggressive. This is the least aggressive I've ever seen him be with the ball in his hands. Like I said, he's still a great defender and he's an amazing facilitator. But there are, he also does have a lot of, you know, mental errors that lead to a lot of ill-advised turnovers. I hate seeing him drive to the lane and then turn around looking for someone to pass. I don't know if that's because he isn't a great free throw shooter, but his free throw percentage is up this year. Like every year Ben has been in the league, his free throw percentage has increased. It's around 64, 63% right now, which is a lot better than, you know, his rookie year. His rookie year was terrible. He was shooting, you know, 50, like mid-50s, I believe. So maybe that's the reason he doesn't drive to the room, or maybe it's just Doc's system, maybe it's confidence, I don't know. On the upside, along with his increased free throw percentage, he's taking more threes, he's taking more jump shots. 
his career high is only 11. But at the moment, he has like six, I believe. So he's taking more. He's, I'm for sure, think that he's going to shoot more than 11 this year. And hopefully he makes a couple more just to get himself, you know, comfortable with shooting the ball more. I'd rather see him take more 15-footers rather than, you know, 30-footers and um three-point shot. But if he can get comfortable with just shooting the ball and comfortable with his stroke, his stroke will improve. We still got a lot of season left, so I wouldn't be surprised if Ben turns it around and at least goes back to averaging at least 16 after the All-Star break. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded for, like, Zach Levine or Bradley Bill or someone of that caliber. But until that happens, we have to deal with Ben's downfall. But with the downfall, there does come a resurgence. Um, Tobias Harris has been outstanding. He is an all-star. Tobias Harris is an all-star. No matter if he gets voted in or not, I believe that he's an all-star. He's playing at an all-star level. He's doing, it's just something about Tobias Harris under Doc Rivers. He's, he's, excuse me, he's averaging his highest points per game total since his stint with the Clippers with Doc Rivers. He looks more comfortable. He looks confident. Pick and roll helps him a lot, which is where he's at his best. Um, like I said, he's playing at an all-star level. He's averaging career high shooting splits. Like Tobias has just been really, really, really good this year. He's become that second scorer we need, especially since Ben is, you know, having an off season so far. I do think that the Sixers can get better on the offensive side of the ball, of course, because of, you know, Ben Simmons deficiencies on that side of the ball. But for right now, at least they're fine. Um, I don't know how it's going to become playoff time. I don't know if you can count on Tobias come playoff time. We haven't seen it yet so far. So um, like I've said before, I'm a, I'm a big believer. And if I see it and I haven't seen it, so I don't believe he can do it until he shows me that he can do it. But until then, until playoff time comes around, he's fine unless he's traded. And to be honest, Tobias's trade value isn't going to be any higher than it is right now. So if Daryl Morey finds the right deal and can bring in somebody like Bradley Bill without having to give up Ben Simmons, I think that'll be ideal. Even even Zach Levine, like I'll take Tobias for Zach Levine on any day of the week. But that's just me. I also think that the bench has been, you know, good compared to where it's been, you know, the last several years with Brett Brown and whoever else was being the de facto GM. I wouldn't say that the bench is deep, but it's, it's good enough. Maxi is a stud. That floater is something different. It's beautiful. Every time it leaves his hand, it's whoosh, like <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. Um, Shake has continued his bubble play off the bench. He's been really, really good. He's taking the next step in his development. Matisse continues to provide value off the bench because of how great of a defender he is. Um, Dwight Howard has veteran leadership and solid play when Embiid isn't on the court. Furkan is Furkan. He'll hit a couple shots for you. You know, nothing too special. I do think if they want to make the bench deeper, they are going to need like a stretch four, someone who can guard, you know, both the three and the four and occasionally play center if you have to. I just don't think that Mike Scott is that good anymore. Um, he's more so James Johnson than anybody else. But adding some depth at the forward position will definitely help this team out, especially when it comes to playoff time. And I trust Maury to make the right moves, you know. Like, before I couldn't say that, I couldn't say that I trusted the Sixers GM to make a, a good move that will benefit the team. I can say that now with Maury. Like, he did an excellent job with the trades that he made, you know, during the offseason, how he brought in Seth Curry and Danny Green. Um, he traded out with Horford's contract. 
he came right in and made moves that made the Sixers instantly better. And now he has the chance to trade for um Bradley Bill since, you know, the Harden deal fell through. Even if a deal like that falls through, I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to add someone like Derrick Rose to add to the bench. I honestly don't think Derrick Rose is what the Sixers need, though. Like I said before, I think that they need like a, a forward to come off the bench or even another guy to put in the starting lineup, like maybe trading Danny Green to the um, Kings for Harrison Barnes. Um, there will be, you know, more to that deal, of course, but putting Danny Green in there is pretty much a start. I'd be satisfied with a Harrison Barnes trade, but I don't know if I would give up, you know, somebody like Matisse for Harrison Barnes, maybe um Furkan in a first, but that's about it. I don't, I'm not giving up anything more than those three players. Danny Green, Furkan in a first. Well, a first isn't a player, but, but y'all get my point. I do believe that the Sixers do need to make a move if they want to, you know, compete for a championship, because I think that the roster that they have right now is good enough to, you know, get them to the playoffs. But in terms of competing in the playoffs, like past the second round, I do think that they're going to need another forward and an elite scorer, or at least an elite shot creator. Someone like Bradley Bills, someone like Zach Levine, who could take the last shot because teams are going to throw all they have at, you know, Embiid and Simmons isn't that. And like I said before, I don't know if Tobias is that because I haven't seen it. So if Maury could possibly find a way to get someone like Zach Levine or Bradley Bill and add someone like Harrison Barnes, I think he will have the perfect trade deadline and the Sixers could actually contend for a championship. But until then, I don't see them contending for the NBA Finals. And it's weird because the Sixers actually match up on paper with a lot of the, you know, elite teams. The only team that they really don't match up well with is the um the Nets because, you know, they have three ball handlers, three dominant scorers, and the Sixers only have, you know, a couple, you know, defenders at a time that could possibly, I'm not going to say stop because I don't think you can stop KD, Kyrie, or Harden, but slow down those three. But they match up well with the Lakers, obviously, because they beat the Lakers recently, and the Sixers were, the Sixers dominated that game throughout with a couple, you know, collapses here and there. They match up well with the Bucks. Um, I think they do match up well with the Celtics, well, better than they have in previous years. Also, the Clippers, they kind of don't match up with the Clippers well because the Clippers have two great wing players and um, Sixers only have one Ben Simmons and he can only guard one of them at a time. Like, Danny Green is a good defender, but he's not how he was when he was with the Spurs or even, you know, with the Raptors. He's more of a spot-up shooter now who can defend well enough. Sometimes it's just hard for me to admit, you know, truth, but I think with the Sixers, I can see that they're not, you know, built for the playoffs yet, at least with the current roster that they have now. I'm going to enjoy this season while it's happening, but once they get to the playoffs, I'll be ready for them to lose to, you know, maybe the Nets or even the Bucks or the Celtics, but I don't think anybody else can beat the Sixers in the seven-game series. So to pretty much recap that, Joel Embiid is the MVP, Ben Simmons needs to show up, Tobias is an all-star who's had a resurgence, the bench is good enough, and Maury we trust. And if the Sixers want to, you know, contend, they are going to have to add pieces and probably sooner rather than later. And before I get out of here, I did say I wanted to discuss um, Nick Sirianni and his hire in his recent press conference. Out of the people who were available and the people who wanted to actually take the Eagles job, which doesn't include Brian DeBall and Eric Bieniemy, So out of the people who were, 
available. I do think this was the best hire and out of the people who I think were available or who are actual candidates, which would be Josh McDaniels, Deuce Staley, and him, Nick Sirianni. I do think he was the best choice out of the three. As I said in a previous episode, I do think that Josh McDaniels is Tom Brady's version of Adam Gase. Josh McDaniels hasn't done anything outside of New England, so I don't have confidence in him coming here and doing anything. Um, Deuce Staley just wasn't qualified enough. The players loved him. He would have been a great, you know, head coach, like how Doug was a great leader of men, but I don't know how he would have been with the X's and O's, and that's not what the Eagles were looking for. They were looking for an offensive mind, which is why they went toward Josh McDaniels and Nick Sirianni, but I do think that Nick Sirianni was the best choice because of how his offense performed and how he adjusted to playing or coaching, rather, three different quarterbacks. And Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, and Jacoby Brissett, they are all three different quarterbacks, and they managed to play pretty well with um, all three. So out of the people who were hired, I or out of the people who were available, I do believe that he was the best one left. Their job just wasn't as attractive as other jobs were, which is why they didn't get the big fishes. The big fishes like Robert Salah, Eric Bieniemy, or Brian DeBall. They honestly had their choice of Brian DeBall, Eric Bieniemy, if either of them wanted the job, but neither of them wanted the job. So you have to eliminate them. I don't know how much interest they actually had in Arthur Smith, but he ended up getting hired pretty fast. I don't think they had any interest in Dan Campbell whatsoever. Urban Meyer was only leaving Fox for one job and one job only. And I know that the Eagles had some interest in Brandon Staley, but I don't know how big the interest was considering he's a defensive coach and not an offensive coach. I never really once mentioned um, Joe Brady. Um, I think Joe Brady would have been amazing because of how good he was at LSU, how good he was at the beginning of the season with the Panthers. Um, I think talent kind of took over, or the, the lag thereof kind of took over with him and um, his scheme and down there in Carolina. but. I just think he wasn't ready enough to be an actual coordinator yet, or a head coach, rather. I don't know how much interest the Eagles had in him. Um, I think they did interview him. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that they had a little bit of interest in him. But it wasn't enough to warrant like a second interview or even, you know, people actually talking about it. Except for, you know, fans who thought he would have been the best hire, which probably would have been true, considering the fact that Eric enemy and Brian DeBall, again, didn't want the job. But we don't know how the Eagles view Joe Brady and if they even thought he was, you know, the guy for the job. But anyway, Nick Sirianni is the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he recently had his presser, like his introductory presser. And it wasn't good for several reasons. One, he was nervous. He stuttered almost, you know, for the first couple minutes of it. He got his feet together, but he continued to stutter throughout the entire thing. Two, the the press, whoever was asking questions, the guys who were asking questions weren't asking good enough questions. Like they were asking questions that, you know, he was not going to answer, which made it look even worse than it was before. One of the things that I did take away, though, is that he has a lot of energy and passion, especially when it comes to talking about the culture that he wants to set and his, you know, his core values and, and the things like that. Despite him being nervous, that passion and that energy, like you could feel it and you you saw it in his eyes and how he spoke despite him, you know, stuttering and being nervous. Also, I don't see how him stuttering and him being nervous makes him a bad coach. There's a ton of people online talking about some, oh, the Eagles are in trouble hiring Nick Sirianni because he's he stuttered because he's not a good public speaker. 
I'm not a great public speaker. Like, I can do it, but I'm not great at it. You'll get a couple ums and a couple stutters from me every now and again. Like, for example, even doing this, I'm doing ums, but I, I cut those out, so you probably don't hear all of them. You probably hear some of them because I might miss some. But anyway, my point is, is that not everyone is a great public speaker. And to judge someone on how good of a coach they are based off their public public speaking skills is idiotic. That's dumb. You can't do something like that. Those two things don't correlate. You don't need to be a good public speaker to be, you know, a great head coach. For example, Mike LaFleur, his introductory presser was the same way. He was stuttering. He was nervous. You can tell. And he was more nervous. He, he was more nervous than Nick Sirianni was. I didn't hear any of that last year about the Packers. Also, Doug's presses were, were terrible. Doug, Doug wasn't a good press guy anyway. So I don't understand why there are some people who saying you move off of a Super Bowl winning coach because and not because but go on to hire someone who can't speak publicly Doug Peterson couldn't do that either Doug Peterson wasn't good at it either so obviously that doesn't matter one person who bashed Nick Sirianni is Joy Taylor one she associates herself with Colin Coward so she's not good at what she does anyway but I will say that she's better than Molly on um first take but some of the things that she was saying about him talking about some is not a good look and you need to have, you know, certain qualities or something like that to be a head coach. Like, yes, was it impressive? No. But do you need to be a good public speaker to have, you know, a successful coaching career? No, you don't. And like I said before, the people who are clowning him, like he was given questions that the owner and the general manager should be answering. Damn near every question that he was asked was about Carson and Jalen Hurts. Like, almost half of them were. And you really think he's going to come out and say, yeah, Jalen Hurts is our starter, or yeah, Carson Wentz is our starter? No, he's not. No one was going to do that. So to come in there and expect him, like, listen, listening to that and expecting him to say that was, was dumb because he wasn't going to. Any knowledgeable person knew that he was not going to come in there and say that. Especially after the season the Eagles just had, he wasn't going to do that. Something else that also bothered me was what Shannon Sharp said. Fox, I'm just killing Fox today. But on Twitter, word for word, he said, and I quote, If his scripted press conference was this bad, what must his interview been like? Yeah, Eric Bieniemy interviews terrible. When an employer wants you for a job, nothing you do can mess it up. End quote. Do you do you guys understand how uninformed, like uninformed he was on this tweet? One, Eric Bieniemy never interviewed with the Eagles, so he didn't want the job. So automatically, all credibility is done. Like anything he says after that, or even before that, you have to disregard because he didn't. He couldn't even get the facts right. And two, just because a guy isn't a public speak good public speaker doesn't mean he's not a good, you know, interviewer. Like. Doing that is way different than having interpersonal communication. Like, it's completely different. I am a great talker one-on-one. But when it comes to public speaking, like I said before, I'm not that great at it. And a lot of people aren't. And you can't blame him for that. Like, I don't care what kind of, I don't care what credentials you need to have to be a head coach. Public speaking isn't one of them. So stop judging him based off of that. And I don't see nobody else talking about any other team's presser. Like, I seen one clip of Dan Campbell saying he biting kneecaps off and 
everybody's just laughing like it's a joke like oh yeah ha 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 that was funny like okay clown him about what he said that was who bites kneecaps off clown him based off of that why is it no one saying oh the lions are in trouble because they're hope their head coach is talking about biting kneecaps off no but because the guy is nervous a guy is nervous he isn't a good coach or the eagles are doomed because their head coach stuttered a little bit when he was at the podium he was nervous so as you guys know if you guys didn't know i am an african-american male and to play the race card on something like that was idiotic like i'm all about empowering you know black people black men and women but if you're gonna do it do it right like do i think eric b enemy deserves a job yes i do he's an excellent offensive coordinator whether he calls plays or not but he didn't interview with the Eagles, so don't try to sit there and play the race card on the Eagles because he didn't interview with them. Another thing that I saw on, on Twitter was that some 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 lady had pretty much said that tons of black people get the Deuce Daily treatment and how Lori praised Deuce Daily. She said that sh that people will praise us, but they won't commit to us, but they'll commit to somebody younger and less experienced. First off, I think she should keep her mouth shut because experience in the NFL as a coach has more to do with jobs than it has to do years. I don't care how many years you've been in the league if you've only had one job. Like, I would much rather prefer someone who's been in the league for six years and every year they've progressed and they moved up and they got promoted than a guy who's been in the league for 15 years and has been the same on the same level his entire career. Like, I'm promoting the other, I'm hiring the other guy first. The more qualified person got hired. As a black man, like, like I said before, like, I'm all about empowering black people and black men and women alike. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't come uninformed. She said this about Deuce Daly. If she said it about Eric Enemy, then it would have been different. It would have been a little different. But the fact that she said it about Deuce Staley and she was completely wrong is ridiculous. So what if Nick Sirianni is younger? So what if he's been in the league less for a less amount of time than Deuce Staley has? He was more qualified. And as a black person, you should want the job because you deserve the job, not not because of pity, not because somebody feels sorry for you, somebody feels bad for you. I think that's more BS than, you know, getting looked over because someone else is more qualified than I was. Don't get me wrong. I love Deuce Staley. I wanted Deuce Staley to be the head coach of the Eagles. But if you compare Deuce Staley's resume to Nick Sirianni's resume blindly, there's no question you would choose Nick Sirianni's resume. I don't care how long Deuce Staley's been in the league, how long he's played in the league. He's only had one job, two jobs. He just got promoted to assistant head coach. And the only reason why he got promoted was because they didn't want to lose him. Then there was another instance where Deuce turned down the job. Like, if you're going to if you're going to come, come correct. Like, like I said, I understand you wanting to empower black people and black men and women. But if you're like I said, if you're going to do it, come correct. Do it the right way. Do your research before you go off just off the mouth, just talking because she was wrong. This is the second time that I've seen somebody like bring the Eagles up in a race thing when there were six other openings. No one else hired Eric Bieniemy. No one else hired Deuce Staley as their head coach. Why are y'all on the Eagles back? Because they didn't. And then of the two things, of those two things, both were completely wrong. Of the two takes from Shannon Sharp and this lady who her name is Crystal Rich Bell, 
she has a check on Twitter, so she must be important. But of those two takes, like, you were completely wrong. Shannon Sharp was wrong because he had the whole information wrong. The enemy never even interviewed with the Eagles. He turned the Eagles down. And Crystal Rich Bell was wrong because that situation doesn't apply to Deuce Staley. And there are people in their mentions and their comments talking about some, yeah, I totally agree with you. No, you're wrong. Like, what she said was wrong. What Shannon said was wrong. And those people are just as ignorant as Shannon and Crystal are. It's not a good look. It's not. To any sensible person, white, black, yellow, red, orange, it doesn't matter. That is not smart. That was in both people had two ignorant statements. And it makes us look bad. It makes us as a black community look bad. Deuce didn't fit the qualifications. And Airbnb never even answered the Eagles' calls. So why are you blaming the Eagles for that? Like, man, I don't know. Y'all, y'all let me know, man, because it's it's just hella confusing for me. And I'm sick and tired of seeing us as black people say things just to get it out there like if you're gonna do it this is why this is why no one takes it seriously to begin with ignorant uneducated statements to try to start a conversation there are some people who do this well like guys like lebron and um malcolm jenkins like those guys they're educated and they do it the right way but people like shannon sharp and people like crystal rich bell aren't educated enough they aren't they, they were too ignorant to what actually happened don't you think if there was some kind of unfair treatment that Deuce Staley, with, with Deuce Staley, that LeBron and what's his name, Malcolm Jenkins, would have came out and said something about it or said something. Like, don't you think that would have happened already? If I'm not mistaken, I already do believe that LeBron said something about the enemy. But LeBron is smart. He's not going to come out and make an idiotic statement because he wants to empower black people. Like, I understand doing that. Like I said before, I understand doing that, but do it the right way. Be smart about it. Again, I'd rather get a job because I'm qualified instead of getting it out of pity. And that's what a lot of black people want. Like, I don't understand why y'all just want black people to get jobs because they people feel bad for them. That's what the Rooney rule is. The Rooney rule makes sure that every opportunity, every coaching opportunity that's available, every open coaching position that's available has to have a minority person be interviewed, whether that's Asian, Hispanic or black or whatever and if you ask me that rule is bullshit like i don't want an interview because you have to interview me i want an interview i want an interview because i'm qualified to get the job i love the work that deuce daly has done here in philadelphia with the running backs it seems like every year the running backs are the best part of the team except for that one year and i believe it was 2018 or 2019 when he traded for golden tate instead of trading for a running back but he just hasn't done enough to become a head coach in the nfl he hasn't. So for anyone who thinks that he has, you're delusional. There was no other, out of all 31 other teams, there was no team that was going to hire Deuce Staley as their head coach. I am pretty sure there are a ton of people on a, on a list of head coaches or coordinators or whatever that are above his name on that list. If 32 teams had to pick from coordinators right now, if all the let's say all the head coaches just disappeared off the face of the earth, right? And all 32 teams had to pick from coordinators and maybe even and maybe even um, position coaches. Deuce Staley wouldn't get a job. Like I said, 
I love Deuce. I do. I really do. Don't take this as me slighting him in the least bit, but he just wasn't qualified for the job that the Eagles wanted him to do or any other in or any team for that matter. Why is it just the Eagles? Because the Eagles had interest in him. The Jaguars didn't have interest in him. The Lions didn't have interest in him. Well, they had enough interest in him to hire him as their running back coach and assistant head coach, but not as their head coach. The Chargers didn't. There was no other team who had an opening that even thought about Deuce Daly. Eric Bieniemy, maybe. I'm pretty sure all seven teams that had openers thought about Eric Bieniemy. But the reason that the Eagles didn't hire him is because he didn't he didn't want the Eagles' job. So I'm not trying to hear that the Eagles did Eric Bieniemy wrong or that he interviewed badly. He didn't even interview with the Eagles. So don't put that on. Don't associate that with the Eagles because it wasn't on them. It was on him. If you're gonna come, come correct. That's just all I have to say about the people who try to empower black people. And are just completely off. They, you sound ignorant. You sound dumb. You sound uneducated. Do your research before you start claiming things. But all right, guys, I'm gonna get out of here. Um, I need to go and cool off. <laughs> I guess. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. SWTDPod on both platforms. Um, I love you guys. Peace.